The New York Giants open up a two-day mandatory minicamp this week. What will we be watching? What are the expectations? What questions do we have ahead of the minicamp? I'm going to cover all that on today's Locked On Giants podcast. You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. I'm your host, Patricia Chena. Happy to have you with us. As always, it's a brand new week. So happy Monday to everybody. New York Giants hit the field this week for their mandatory mini camp. It's the close of the spring football period, which means we are getting so close to training camp. And I don't know about you, but I am really excited to get to training camp this year, even though it means that I'm going to have to rush through the six weeks of downtime, which I'm kind of looking forward to. But nonetheless, big things happening for the New York Giants this season. um, If everything falls into place and I can't wait to discuss it and bring it all to you guys and gals. So thank you so much for tuning in, making us your first listen of the day or watching on YouTube, your first watch of today. And this episode of the Locked on Giants podcast is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on today to get started. And speaking of getting started, I've got seven things I wrote down that I want to cover on today's podcast. So let's get started, right? (laughs) Okay. All right. So some of these things are a mixture of questions. Some of them are a mixture of things that um, I'll be watching. So I want to start off with something that I really, you know, if I was making this list up last week at this time, I probably wouldn't have had this on my list, but only because defensive coordinator Wink Martindale mentioned this, it kind of raised my antenna a little bit. as as an item to keep an eye on. And um, it was in response to a question that I had actually asked uh, Wink last week when the coordinators met the media, and that was about the edge rushers, the linebackers and all that. And Wink Martindale volunteered that, um, you know, Michael McFadden was amongst the linebackers who had improved most, or, you know, one of the linebackers who had improved the most this spring. So, that caught my my attention because Micah McFadden last year was thrown into the deep end of the pool as, as a rookie when the inside linebackers were struggling and really didn't hold up as well uh, to the naked eye. And then I did a little digging here. And um, these numbers are according to Wink's favorite website, favorite analytics website, uh, Pro Football Focus. And Micah McFadden actually wasn't as bad as maybe he might have looked at times last year. He had a 6.7% run stop rate, one forced fumble, and his average depth of tackle last year was 3.0 yards. That was the best amongst the Giants inside linebackers last year. So for Wink to say that Micah McFadden has improved that's caught my attention because look, we all know the inside linebackers last year weren't very, you know, consistent. And, you know, they signed Bobby O'Karake, who's going to be an every down backer for them, may even get the green dot for all we know. But Micah McFadden, what was interesting about that is they're still looking for 
that number two guy for the base defense when they run two inside linebackers. And, you know, the assumption was, oh, you can't rule out Darian Beavers because Darian Beavers, he was a rookie last year who was looking pretty good. And, you know, until that injury, that, that torn ACL wrecked them. So now all of a sudden you have, you know, more competition, I think, you know, based on what Wartdale said for that second inside linebacker group. And what, what I'm going to be looking at in particular from that inside linebacker group, not just from Micah McFadden per se, but how they function. All right. So last year they weren't filling run gaps, which is why one of the reasons why the run defense was so lousy last year, their recognition in pass coverage wasn't very good. So item number one on my list is how much has the recognition improved in terms of both blowing up the run and in coverage? And I think that's an important aspect because it was a big problem for the Giants last year. And look, I should also mention before I go much further, the mandatory minicamp is not going to be done in pads. There's going to be no contact. So you're not going to see guys bursting into the, to the backfield and blowing guys up. But I do anticipate this mandatory minicamp is going to be run at a much quicker pace than the OTAs that we have seen, where that was basically run at a walkthrough pace. So I just wanted to put that out there because, you know, before anybody gets too excited, list of all me about, you know, what we might see and what we might not see. Um, Okay. So speaking of linebackers, the edge group, you know, I keep wondering if the Giants need more on the edge. When I raised that question to Wink Martindale last week, he basically, again, scoffed at pro football focuses, you know, numbers and how they measure the pass rush. And he says, look, that's not how I measure it. And I covered that um, in an article that I posted, I think, on last Friday's show about uh, over on Giants Country and how Wink looks at the, the uh, pass rush. But here's the question that I think also needs to be asked. Do they have a game wrecker at um, outside linebacker? Now, again, I went back to PFF. Sorry, Wink. <laughs> I had to do it. Um, do they have a game wrecker? What is a game wrecker? A guy who can obviously wreck the game, a guy who you have to double up, triple up, maybe scheme against if you're an offensive coordinator. So I went and I looked that up and um just real quick, Aziz Ojolari in limited snaps last year because he, he was injured. He had a 10.7% pass rush win rate, which was the best of the, the outside linebackers. Not far behind him was Kayvon Thibodeau with a 9.7% pass rush win rate. Thibodeau had 45 total pressures. He was followed by Jihad Ward, who had 24. Aziz had 20. And Thibodeau was actually ranked 39th amongst um, 126 pass rushers who had at least 100 pass rush snaps. That's in terms of total pressures. So it looks like the Giants potentially do have a game record in Thibodeau, who, of course, has spoken about finishing some of his rushes a little bit better, using his strength more to his advantage. And just, you know, making more plays for the team. And, you know, I still think that the duo of Thibodeau and Ojulari, I still think that duo is going to be pretty good. 
you know, if they could stay on the field together and start, you know, wrecking things a little bit more. So, you know, do they have, you know, are they a Nick Bosa type, a pass rush wrecker right now? No. But do they have the potential to get there? Yes, absolutely. All right. Item number two on the list is the defensive backfield. How is that going to shake out? We might not get the answer, quite honestly, until training camp on that. And the reason for that is that safety, you know, Xavier McKinney is obviously going to be one of the starting safeties. But who amongst the other guys is going to be playing next to him? Now, Jason Pinnock, Dane Belton have been limited this spring because they're recovering from some sort of off-season procedure. So we haven't seen a whole lot of them. Bobby McCain has been in there. You know, Trenton Thompson has been in there. But who's going to be the guy? And so it'll be interesting to see if maybe Pinnock and Belton are a little further along to where they maybe get some more snaps. I don't know. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. Um, so we'll have to see how that plays out because that's going to be important, especially if Wink wants to play more safeties or is he going to play more linebackers? That's the other option too. Now that he actually has some linebackers cornerback, you know, while we're on the topic of defensive backfield, who's going to be in the slot or will they run a committee? They might just run a committee, which I think might make sense. You know, maybe you put a, you know, a bigger guy like Aaron Robinson in there in the slot against bigger, more physical receivers. Uh, maybe you put a smaller guy like Darnay Holmes if you need somebody who's quick. Maybe you put Cordell Flott in there in certain circumstances. So I have a feeling that the slot cornerback position might end up being a committee. And do they have enough guys for the slot? They certainly do. They have enough guys who can come down and play in that slot. So it's going to be interesting to see how they might play it out. Now, again, we probably won't get any final answers in this mandatory minicamp, but we will get an idea of what the coaches are potentially thinking of when it comes to this particular uh, position, which is very important, by the way. So we'll see how that plays out. All right, coming up, I've got a few more for you. But first, ladies and gentlemen, got to tell you about our friends at FanDuel. FanDuel, with FanDuel, America's number one sports book, you can get in on all the sports action. And right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500 back in bonus bets if their first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. FanDuel offers great promotions, a safe and secure app to set your bets, and instant payouts. So make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. All right, you got Patricia Trainer here on the Locked On Giants podcast, and I'm previewing for you mandatory minicamp. It gets underway on Tuesday, runs Wednesday. Thursday is a team building activity, which is not open to the media, but Tuesday and Wednesday are open to the media. And uh, my plan, of course, is to be there. And as I try to do with the OTAs, as soon as I get back from the uh, mandatory minicamp practice days, I will sit down and record a podcast for you with my observations, takeaways, uh, all the good stuff. So that's what's ahead on the show. And also, you know, I mentioned, I, I just want to quick mention, I was supposed to have Ed Valentine on the show today, actually, and Ed had a, a change in schedule. So Hopefully I'll get them um, later in the week, if not um, in the weeks to come. So apologies for that. For those of you who are expecting to see Ed Valentine on the show with me, you know, sometimes stuff comes up and we have to change around our schedules. So hopefully, you know, 
I'm doing a good enough job, uh, you know, for those of you who are expecting the, the, the banter between Ed and I. So, all right, let's get back to our mandatory mini camp preview. Now, on one of the days, I think on Tuesday, I'm not sure if it's going to be Tuesday or Wednesday, but I think it's Tuesday, we are going to hear from Assistant GM Brandon Brown. And why is that important? Well, because everybody's going to want to know what's the latest with Saquon Barkley, who remains unsigned, um, doesn't want to sign that franchise tag. Um, How close are they to a new deal? Are they talking more importantly? That's That's the most important thing. So I don't anticipate that Brandon Brown will shed much light on the situation. I do think, however, you know, the questions need to be asked and they will be asked as to where things are with Saquon. The important thing is, has there been conversations? Now, a few weeks ago, I had heard that there wasn't much chatter going on. That has since, you know, not been the case. There has been some conversation. To what degree, I don't know. Um, But look, that July 17th deadline is coming up. And it'll be here before we know it because we all know how time flies, right? So um, those those two sides, they need to get talking and really get talking. And to what degree they've been talking, I don't know the answer to that. But they have, um, from what I've heard, had some, you know, they've checked in with each other, the two sides. So where they're at, I don't know. But obviously, they don't have a deal in place because Saquon is not expected to be at the mandatory mini camp. And he can't be, like I said, because until he signs that franchise tag or a uh, long-term deal, he can't show up and, and take part in these workouts with his teammates. So hopefully they get that resolved, but that's going to be a key question on everybody's mind. And I guarantee you that's going to be asked of Brandon Brown when he speaks to the media. I can also pretty much guarantee you that he's probably not going to tell us a whole lot as to what's going on there because you know, there's really nothing to talk about until there's a deal. What is there to talk about? You can't go and negotiate through the media. So I don't anticipate Brandon Brown really giving us much of anything there. So on the uh, let's let's move on then. Let's talk about um, other things that um, I'll be watching at the mandatory mini camp. The D-line rotation. All right. So we know the starters, Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams. That's a given. But how's the rest of the D-line going to shape up? You know, because I don't anticipate Dexter and and, uh, Leonard playing the percentage of snaps that they have played the last couple of years, which has been borderline crazy. We're talking 85% or better. Can't do that with these guys. Otherwise, you're going to wear them down to a nub. So who's going to be in there? Is it going to be Raheem Nunes Roches? Is it going to be the rookie Jordan Riley? Is DJ Davidson going to be good, well enough uh, from that ACL? Is he going to be ready to go? I know Sean Robinson has been rehabbing from something because I haven't seen him practice much in the spring, but he should be good to go um, for training camp. So how's that rotation going to shape up? Where's Ryder Anderson going to fit in? Ryder Anderson, I think one of the underrated guys, a guy who I think is going to have a little bit bigger role than maybe what he had last year because the coaches really liked what they saw from Ryder Anderson. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on, obviously. And by the way, Ryder Anderson's a guy that I hope to get to uh, defensive line coach Andre Patterson to ask about. The um, uh, The assistant coaches, by the way, are speaking to the media this week. So 
we should be getting plenty of stuff there as well. So that D-line rotation, how is that going to shape up? That's going to be important as well. And speaking of line rotations, offensive line. Now, when I asked Mike Kafka about it, predictably, he said, you know, we've got to put the pads on. We've got to get the training camp. It's too soon to say how this is going to work. But we can certainly keep an eye on how these guys line up in the spring. So if, for example, we've been seeing a rotation at left guard, you know, Ben Bredesen's played it. Um, Shane Lemieux has been in there a few times. You know, when he's healthy, J- Josh uh, Azudu will be in there once, once he's given the green light. So how is that going to play out? Meanwhile, over on the right side, is that job firmly Mark Lewinsky's or might he end up rotating with, say, Marcus McKeithen or Jack Anderson or somebody else that's on, you know, that, that's going to vie for competition? The two guard spots, in my opinion, just not settled. We know left guard isn't. I'm not so sure that right guard is settled, even though Lewinsky's got guaranteed money and everything like that. You know, Brian Dable has shown time and time again that it doesn't matter how much you're making. It doesn't matter where you were drafted or anything like that. The best guys are going to play. So I would not be stunned to see a rotation of guys at left guard and right guard. Because, look, they've upgraded at center with John Michael Schmitz, who, by the way, will probably, you know, split snaps, I would think, with J.C. Hassenauer. You might see Bredesen in there as well. But um, that job is probably Schmitz's to lose. The, the guards, that's that's a toss-up right now. I'm not convinced that those positions are set. They probably will not be set until the pads go on because that's when you can really tell who you're, you're you know, separate the, you know, the, the cream from the rest of the, you know, the cream rises to the top, as they say. So we'll have to see how that plays out, obviously. All right, coming up, I've got a couple more things that I'll be looking for in the mandatory minicamp. So don't go anywhere. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to the Locked on Giants podcast. I'm your host, Patricia Trena. Mandatory minicamp this week. Going to be a busy, busy week as always. Well, when is it never a busy week? I mean, busy is good, right? But in terms of football stuff, Lots and lots to come still in the land of the Giants. So I'm going to bring you everything I possibly can. Hope you will tune in. Oh, and by the way, I am hoping this week to do the live show with Tana and Dog. It's been a while, so hopefully we'll be able to get that on the calendar this week. Coach Gene Clemens will be on with me towards the end of the week. We're going to kind of do a wrap-up program. You know, what questions still a remain, you know, what are our anticipations for training camp and that sort of stuff. So we've got plenty of programming coming up. And also I want to thank those of you who have given me feedback regarding what you would like to see as far as frequency of shows here on Locked on Giants podcast. A lot of you have been encouraging me to take some time off um, where, you know, next week I can theoretically go into a, a uh, summer schedule where I'm only publishing Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or I can continue going five days a week. A lot of you said, look, Pat, you've been working so hard. Take some time off. So you know what? I'm going to just play it by ear. I'll keep you posted on what I do, but I'm going to play it by ear because there might be some weeks where I just do three. 
There might be some weeks where I do five. There might be some weeks where I do four and just make it a long weekend, but I'll keep you posted. Either way, I'm not going to go anywhere. So um, I'll still be here. So thank you all again for tuning in and a special shout out to my everydayers, to my new people and everybody in between. Love you guys. And I appreciate you for tuning in and making this podcast what it is. Because without you, there is no Moth on Giants podcast and there's no me. So, all right. Got a couple more items on my list of things for my mini camp preview. This is one I probably should have started the show off with, but this is a big one. And that's wide receiver deployment. Now, I mentioned um, in one of the OTA reports how I started seeing things as far as formations that I had never seen before. One of which was uh, I saw a formation where Darius Slayton, who's been primarily an outside receiver, flipped into the slot during pre-snap motion. So... You know, it's interesting because a lot of people will say that a wide receiver group kind of resembles a basketball team. You need to have a variety of different skills so that you can do more. And the Giants apparently have that. They apparently have a nice variety of receivers where they can move guys around and come up with what I would call some unconventional looks. So how are these guys going to be deployed? You know, already this this spring we have seen more pre-snap motion. We didn't really see it as much last year as I thought we would, maybe because, you know, everybody was learning the offense, which is very complicated, by the way. So maybe everybody was just kind of getting their feet wet. I do think moving forward, we're going to see more pre-snap motion um, when we get to the summer, preseason, and regular season. I mean, it, it would behoove them to do that because it will confuse people, obviously, when they're trying to cover everybody. So I just think that, you know, the Giants, Mike Kafka is very creative. And he's got some things up his sleeve. Let's put it that way. And I mentioned, like I said, the Darius Slayton thing. There's been some others. And I'm going to take careful notes on that to see if I can, you know, spot anything that I can report back to you regarding um, how they're deploying these receivers. But that's of interest to me because when you've got that many receivers, you better have a plan for how you're going to use them. And I think they do have a plan and it's going to be a wicked plan. So those uh, opponents uh, trying to cover this team, good luck. If the plan, of course, you know, plays out the way I think it's going to play out. All right. One final thing that I'm curious to see is going to be the tempo. Now, I've mentioned that the OTAs have been run at almost a walkthrough type tempo, very slow, half paced. And it's an opportunity, obviously, for the players to integrate, you know, the, the returning players along with the new players get used to each other, get used to the complexity of the offense and the defense and just kind of blend together. So that said, is the... Uh, mandatory minicamp going to be run at a faster tempo because at some point they do need to pick up the tempo. Brian Dable, when he was talking about the OTAs, he called it a passing camp, a teaching camp. They've been teaching all spring long. It's now going to be the final test for these guys or not the final test, but is, is, is it going to be a, a quiz for these guys to show just how far they've come along is what I'm getting at. So will the tempo be faster and how will they do with the tempo? 
you know, that's going to be interesting to see, you know, will there be a lot of mistakes? Will there be, um, will they be crisp? So that's going to be something to keep an eye on as well as how is this mandatory mini camp going to vary from last year's again, last year, everybody was learning the system. It was a brand new system. Guys were working a little slower. Now you have the majority of the guys returning. They should be a lot quicker, a lot more fluid in the system. And uh, it's going to be a good one, I think, you know, and look, Again, it's padless, no contact, but once the pads go on in summer, um, it's going to be fun to watch the offense and the defense try to outsmart each other. So that's going to be like a really fun thing. If you're coming to training camp, um, that's something you're going to definitely want to keep an eye on. So, so yeah, those are some of the things that I'll be watching. Now, also, I'll be looking to see if anybody jumps out that maybe I haven't covered in my OTA reports or here on the podcast. Um, only so much you can tell with these guys, you know, in pads and shorts and whatnot, but you can get certain glimpses. So I will bring it all to you as soon as I can. Like I said, every day after I get home and I get back here in the studio, I'll be able to talk to you about what I saw, what happened. So I hope you'll tune in to the Locked on Giants podcast. That's going to do it for me for today. Thank you so much for tuning in, making us your first listen of the day or watching on YouTube, your first watch of the day. We will see you tomorrow, Giant fans.